1: Half hour two. This is Sportsnet today here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Logan Gordon along with you. Cam, Taylor, and John are outstanding production trio on this Monday. It's a full house. It is a full house. Finally kicked Brody on the beat out of here. Now we're just back to the proper afternoon crew. Uh, Lots to get to still this hour. We'll chat uh, some major trades across the NHL with Sportsnet Sam Cosentino. And an update from Flames practice today. An off day for the Flames game-wise. They're back at it tomorrow. First of three at home. Boston, Toronto, and Minnesota. Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday this week. Oh, and the NHL's trade deadline just happens to be on Friday, so really nothing going on. Pretty, pretty standard. It's normal week, quiet week. Two original six teams loading up for the playoffs are in town. Trade deadline's Friday. You see Minnesota twice in the next two weeks. No big deal. No big deal. Nothing hugely important. Games for your playoff chances? Yeah, they're ah! just they're just massive. whatever. So no big deal. Not a big deal.
2: Nothing to worry about.
1: What's Boston even done?
2: Except for, you know, Boston's only won like 48 games. They're no big deal. Win easily.
1: Flukes. First goalie goal in three years. Easy schedule. Only have two home regulation losses this year. 21-6-2 on the road. Oh, they've won six in a row, you say? Oh. That's encouraging. Well, good for them.
2: They're going to be fine. What are you talking about? Their,
1: their goal differential is +95. That oh seems Oh my god. Seems pretty good. Let's do some math. The next team Oh, +51. Okay. Yeah, that's not good. Which team is that? Uh yeah, New Jersey is second. Oh, well, yeah. At +51. Wow. Uh, Boston is plus ninety five. Hmm. Interesting. We'll uh we'll chat about the Bruins tomorrow.
0: Anyways, so Pasternak, uh, how are we feeling about that one?
1: Yeah, not nothing to worry about. Uh, yes, the league leading Bruins in town Tuesday, Leafs Thursday. We'll have all the coverage right here on Sportsnet nine sixty. Uh, Flames practice today. No changes. Except for one big one. No Jacob Markstrom at practice today. He was uh with his partner Annika as uh they welcomed in the birth of their first child this morning. So uh congratulations to uh to Jacob and his partner. Uh hopefully baby is happy and healthy. And uh if you are like many on uh flame social media pages this afternoon who uh decided that a snide comment makes more sense than just simply congratulating someone uh, for a life milestone, then uh, boo on you. Had a kid. Be happy about it. There's things, uh, things that matter more than hockey. So uh, congratulations to Jacob. Uh, who, As far as what happens in net for the Calgary Flames, uh, Tuesday against Boston, your guess is as good as mine, but perhaps uh, a morning skate tomorrow. Head of their game against Boston will give us a clear indication. We'll hear from a couple members of the Calgary Flames a little bit later on this hour, including head coach Daryl Sutter, Rasmus Anderson, and Blake Coleman. But very happy to go down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline this afternoon. It's been a crazy twenty-four hours of the NHL. And we're still five days away from the trade deadline happening on Friday. Uh, very happy to welcome in Sportsnet and Sportsnet.ca's uh, Sam Cosentino this afternoon. Sam, how are you, man?
0: Yeah, doing good, Logan. Sorry about the the previous uh, kind of messed up my times here with the time change. I'm not that smart, you know. <laughs>
1: hey, not a problem, <laughs> man. I appreciate you uh, taking the time. Uh, look, what a wild uh, weekend ahead of the trade deadline, I. I always you know, I always think, man, as one of the guys that does deadline shows here in Calgary, I'm always a bit excited because you know, I want to leave some of the excitement for a Friday and lots to talk about on the show. But even I can't complain about what an awesome weekend it was. We had major moves, draft picks on the May, uh, teams all over the East loading up. What did you make of the last 48 hours or so around the NHL, Sam?
0: Where's the West? Like, what's yeah. going on here? Where's the West? Is everyone just like conceding to, to Colorado and that's it? Like, what is going on here? I thought we'd see a little bit more balanced action, right? Especially because, in my opinion, the West is like the West is, is open, I think. You know, you look at the East, I think we see some clear separation now. I mean, you know, you pretty much know who the top three teams are going to be in each of the um, divisions in the Metro and, and in the Atlantic. Uh, and then, you know, there's whatever, four or five teams fighting for that for that wild card uh, the two wild card spots but in the west it's so wide open i mean winnipeg can still you know make a run and, and win the division um, that's not problematic you look at uh, the pacific and edmonton even calgary for that matter matter it's not too far behind so i i would thought we'd see a little bit more action from the west to be perfectly honest with you it hasn't happened but hey there's still time there's still time
1: What have you made of uh, Kyle Dubas and his uh, all-in mentality this year? He strikes another deal this afternoon to add a couple of key pieces from Chicago and Jake McCabe and Sam Lafferty. and uh, It just feels like a guy, you know, in my mind, Sam, that's saying, hey, I can't do anything about who we see in the first round. I'm just going to make sure that my team has the best opportunity regardless of who the opponent is. And he's made some pretty significant moves the last couple weeks.
0: He has. And essentially, he's a UFA as well. So he had to take a shot at the title. Mm. But I like what he did. He did it responsibly. And his response after the first deal for O'Reilly was really key to me, where he said, listen, you know what, you know, we're like anybody, we like to have our draft picks, but we also have taken the time and put the resources into our own player development to get to know our prospects well, and we're comfortable with the group that we've left behind. So while they might be void of draft picks here the next couple of years, they do feel strongly about the group that they have to be able to contribute in a much shorter term than maybe originally anticipated, thanks to, um, you know, a lot of their resources moving in that direction. Now, when you look at where the Toronto Maple Leafs were, you know, everyone talked about shoring up the defensive side of things. I I think they've done that now. I think the McCabe ad is really nice because it just gives you a ton of options as to how you want to play your six guys. And, really creates that additional competition for the likes of Sandine and, and, um, and Timothy Lilligrand, who, you know, are, are now going to be fighting for a spot inside the top six. Um, you look at the veteran guys they have with Jordan. It's had an unbelievable year, really did a great job when they had so many injuries to the back end. Morgan Riley's back. Um, you know, I think he's got a little bit more to give still. And then you look at Brody's just that steady Eddie guy that you, no one really talks about. So I, I like what they have now uh, on the back end that, that, depth to uh, by adding McCabe adds a little bite and a little size as well. And the same thing up front. While they they're not going to be known as a pugilistic team or a team that's going to run you out of the rink. They are going to be a little bit tougher to play against in that bottom six. Lafferty is that guy, but can still bite you with skill. Um, you know, and you look at the same thing with, with O'Reilly. Like they've I think they've addressed a lot of key areas of O'Reilly obviously being the biggest name in the bunch. But I, I really like the way he's done it, done it responsibly. Uh, and doing his best that whatever happens in the first round, that he may still be able to get, uh, you know, a a contract uh, coming out of it, Kyle Dubas.
1: And interesting enough, uh, of course, everyone looks to uh, where these teams are in the standings, and you see right now the most likely landing spot for Toronto in that first round is another matchup against the Tampa Bay Lightning. And uh, as we've known in this cup window for Tampa Bay, Sam, they've never been afraid, whether it was Steve Eiserman or Julian Breezewat, to, Uh, make some moves and to pay up assets to get, you know, cost controlled young players going forward in the future. And it kind of feels like that's what yesterday's move was to get Tanner Janot. He's going to be an RFA after this season. And I think you look at it and say, wow, that's a lot of draft picks for, for Tanner Janot, but cost controlled NHL assets mean so much for this team when they have their core set year after year. Hey.
0: And that's the thing. And I guess the other part of that, is looking forward to getting him signed long term, which is obviously going to be, uh, you know, the goal here for Tampa Bay. Is that they're thinking about that maybe this is a, an asset that has devalued in terms of what his uh, next deal is going to look like, and because of that, maybe the additional picks, uh, you know, were were being granted in that deal. So it is fascinating how they go about their business, but I love it that they think about the here and now, and let's worry about everything else later. Like. I really appreciate that mentality uh, that the Tampa Bay Lightning have. But the other side of that, Al Murray's staff, uh, they do such a great job with their ability to find players in later rounds. So they don't necessarily feel all that bad about having whatever picks they have left in the in the latter stages of the draft. They have confidence in their ability to find players there. And then the other part of it is, as you move forward, I'm sure Julian Breezeball has a plan in place where he's looking and saying, all right, This is what we project for this year, getting Genoa into our lineup, get him signed long-term, and they may have to move a piece, you know, next year that might uh, be able to recoup some of those lost assets. So um, I don't think they do things on a whim. I think uh, things are very calculated, very thought out. They have a wonderfully smart group there. They draft well, and they are in the mix every year, and no difference this year. I'm interested to see the new lease on life that that Tanner Genoa has where he's not going to be relied on to be that twenty-five goal guy, but more or less relied on to be a guy who who brings that heaviness to the game and let the goal scoring fall where where it may.
1: Yeah, that's immediately what I thought of, and I thought of uh, a line that our good friend Peter Labardius uses all the time, Sam. And that's slotting and putting guys in the best spot to succeed in a lineup. And I immediately looked at the twelve forward guys that you know and try to figure out where okay, where's Jano going to go when you put him in to that Tampa Bay lineup. I love how you put it. He's just going to be in a spot to do what he does best, and he's not going to be overtaxed in some ways like he was in Nashville.
0: Yeah, and that's and that's really key. So I think for him, you know, and it's not like he, he hasn't been voided chances this year, but I think the supporting cast in Tampa is better than what it is in Nashville. That breakout year showed people a lot of things. But this guy didn't get there by not working hard. I mean, he he literally has come out of nowhere uh, and used his work ethic to vault him into a good NHL career. And I think he's going to thrive there. And I think the comfortability of him being able to get signed long term and not having to be relied on to be the guy, um, you know, is, is going to be helpful for me. Uh,
1: the big name on top of many's trade board heading into this year, Sam, was uh, that of Timo Meyer. Uh, He's officially moved yesterday in a massive package uh, with the Sharks and the Devils. I guess just your initial reaction when you saw the deal go down and you saw that uh, it was New Jersey who was going to pick up Meyer.
0: Well, you know what? uh, Good on Tom Fitzgerald for not having to, to give up an asset like Dawson Mercer, who I believe would have been the ask of San Jose. Uh, I feel so strongly about Mercer's game and have going back to his days in junior, um, you know, when he was in, uh, in Chicago and Drummondville before that. So uh, you know, I think that's a huge win there. Now, Mohamed Doolin, he's in Russia. Are you going to be able to get him over? Obviously, San Jose feels confident about their ability to, to get him over and to play. Um, so, they, you know, he's kind of the key piece in that deal coming back the other way. Uh, and a guy who's just, he's grown by leaps and bounds. And I think in the situation in which he was drafted, New Jersey had three picks that year. I think they picked 17, 18, 20, if I'm not mistaken, right in that range and had the ability to take a, a little bit of a shot with Mohamed Doolin. And he's turned out to be a good gamble so far, at least along this developmental curve. But there are still going to be some challenges, you know, in getting them over here and then getting them to play in, in North America and moving forward. Uh, but that, you know, obviously being the key piece coming back the other way. I think Zetterlin's a good player. Um, you know, he can kind of move, move around the lineup a little bit. But I think all told, um, I was expecting a little bit more of a, of a bigger name to, to be transferred the other way.
1: Yeah, I think that was the the same perspective a lot of people had, especially when you look at the you know the depth as you talked about that New Jersey has in their system. I think a lot of people immediately Sam went, okay, you're talking about a guy like Timo Meyer, elite in his position. Yes, is you know going to require a big contract, but is an RFA. He's cost controlled, you know, to a degree, or I guess team controlled to a degree is probably a better way of putting it. And for New Jersey, you, I mean, you talk about some of the names that they've drafted the last couple of years, whether that's Alexander Holtz, they've got a couple of great defensive prospects. When you talk about Luke Hughes or Simon Nemich, and a lot of people thought that would be the name that got centered around it. And at the end of the day, I think if you're New Jersey, you're probably pretty okay giving up what you have given what you have in the system already.
0: Yeah, I, I agreed. And, you know, Simon Nemich, I think is, was probably a big key to that. And surely he would have been part of the ask as well. But the way he has progressed, you will get me chance to watch him again uh, at the world juniors. I mean, this guy is, uh, I think he's a star in the making. So again, good on Tom Fitzgerald for, for not leveraging assets, but this is the whole thing. When you go and you acquire draft picks and you build and you develop, you know, this is the idea you have in mind, not only assets for, for what might be the future of your club, but assets that might be used uh, you know, in a trade down the road as Mohamed Doolin was.
1: Uh, one guy I wanted to ask you about was uh, Vitaly Kratzoff, who finds himself now a member of the uh, Vancouver Canucks. It seems like the Rangers are making way to try to fit in a Patrick Kane contract before the trade deadline's out. Never really worked for Kratzoff in New York. He's you know, seemingly been wanting his way out for a little while. Uh, finds his way out now in this deal to Vancouver. Do you like that landing spot for him in the West Coast, Sam?
0: I do because I think there's going to be more of an opportunity to play in the top six. And there are certain players that, you know, they have such great ability, but their ability at the NHL level is limited to a top six role. And I think Kravtsov is that guy. He's not going to be an effective player playing in your bottom six, getting you know, eight to 12 minutes a night, he's got to do a little bit more heavy lifting than that, where he's playing 12 to 15 a night, where you're going to have to live with some of his warts uh, defensively, but you're going to be excited about the skill that he brings to the table offensively. So when when you look at that move, there was just nowhere he was going, um, you know, especially with the addition of Tarasenko, there was nowhere he was going in that top six in, in the Rangers lineup. Now he may not start there, but I think he'll have the opportunity uh, to go and do that there uh, in, in Vancouver. And that should, uh, you know, help add to their to their skill group, which is something that they could definitely use.
1: Uh, another Russian that uh, gets moved over the last uh, 24, 48 hours here is an interesting deal between Montreal and uh, the Dallas Stars that sees Denis Gurianov heading to Montreal. Uh, the proven NHL veteran to Dodonov, is heading to Dallas to help their playoff push. What did you make of uh, that swap between Dallas and Montreal?
0: You know, Gariano is such a, a frustrating player. He is so gifted. He really is a gifted player. But, you know, what you see in practice and, and the individual skill set hasn't translated to consistency on the ice. And that was obviously the, the thing going back to his draft year that teams were talking about. Is he going to be able to do it night in and night out? Well, after a while, that just gets old. And, you know, you got to find a way to move on. And And Dallas was able to do that. Having said that, for Montreal... If they feel confidently that they have a coach there that's like the offensive whisperer, then maybe they can get him turned around and playing a little bit more consistently, Um, which is, you know, obviously, you know, betting on the rise there. Didanov there was, in Montreal, was really just a a redundant piece. Uh, You know, a guy that, I, you know, he's good. The coach knows him over there in Dallas, having had him in in, in Vegas. So there's some familiarity there. Uh, But I think overall, Probably a change of scenery for Garianov and Zanov just adds a little bit more uh, on the offensive side for for a team that, you know, whose scoring goes in and out and relies heavily on what Robertson does and and what Ben and Sagan do and, you know, and Rupert Hintz when he's healthy. So they just add, you know, a little bit more layer of that secondary scoring.
1: Uh, You surprised how busy it's been pre trade deadline? I know we always talk about deadlines create, you know, uh, animosity and the the feel to get a deal done, but I, I can't remember as many major deals happening this far ahead of the trade deadline. Sam,
0: you know, I I, I agree, and you know, maybe my old uh, colleague Brian Burke got into everybody's head and said, "Hey, get this <laughs> deal done before the deadline," because it never really worked when you do them at the deadline. So, uh, talking to Berkey a little bit yesterday about that, we had a good chuckle about that when I asked if he held a, you know, some sort of meeting amongst all the presidents in the league and. You know, you got a kick out of that. But uh, I think it's a situation where teams are looking and saying, we're better off to implement new players into our lineup a little bit sooner. We still have a good, you know, 20-game run here that they can get accustomed to to what they're doing as opposed to getting into the teens, you know, the 17, the 18-game run and and give them an opportunity to get acclimated, to get their families moved, to feel comfortable so that when the games really matter here, the last 10 of, of the season, that they're feeling comfortable and ready to go, that that uh, assimilation period is is over. So, uh, you know, the other part of it is, you know, and, and maybe there is some truth to what Berkey says, that as you get closer to the deadline, you make stupid decisions because you are forced at the deadline. Mm-hmm. And I think a third element to that is, you know, with, with all of the teams employing heavy analytics departments, um, there's probably something in there in the analytics that says, Hey, move early, get something done early, or at least we'll be able to have an impact to give you more knowledge as opposed to waiting to the last couple of days to get it done. So we'll see. I mean, how bored are we going to be on Friday? There'll still be some deals. You'd like to see some more big pieces fall. I think Anaheim is still, you know, going to be a player in this thing. When you look at Gibson and Klingberg, maybe Adam Henrique would be a nice piece for somebody. So I'm fascinated to see, you know, uh, maybe those guys leading the charge here as we get towards deadline
1: day. Uh, Before I let you go, Sam, just a a perspective on what you've seen from the Calgary Flames. It's been a a frustrating year at best uh, as the team seems to just be spinning their tires, uh, not really making direction one way or the other. And, you know, coming up on Friday, it's going to be an interesting trade deadline to see what Brad Treliving and company have up their sleeve. Because uh, while you could insist that maybe the offseason pushed them into buyers category, uh, some would be in the sell category, given how the year is done. I guess just your perspective on what you see happening here in Calgary from afar.
0: Uh, I'm I'm with you. It's that's probably the most perplexing team in the in the National Hockey League, in my opinion. I mean, on paper, this should, just should be a team that's competing for a you know for a divisional title, and it hasn't gone that way. The ability to put a you know a stretch of games together where you're winning four out of six, or even you know three out of five eight out of 10 has has been absent from this team. And one night it might be special teams one night. It might be the goaltending, you know, one might, it might be giving up a goal early and chasing the game a little bit. So all these different storylines have, uh, have come in and not allowed uh, Calgary to put any significant runs together. And I've been waiting for it. I suppose it's still possible, but history throughout the course of the first 60 games tell us maybe it's not possible. And we kind of are what we are. Um, I, I don't believe that with the talent in the group. There's more to give here. I'd like to see it unlocked. I just hope it's not too late. So when it comes to being buyers or sellers, uh, I don't think any significant pieces are going to be moved there. Maybe, you know, a guy like a Klingberg would, would be a good fit there to help with the power play a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, add some puck moving ability. It's, it's I don't know. Frustrating, I guess, is, is the one word. Uh, you used it, and I, and I will echo it.
1: Uh, what's the, uh, week look like for you cause they got you on uh deadline duty on Friday.
0: Yeah, I got a full speed week here. I'm, I'm actually in uh, New Jersey right now on NHL network for a couple nights, uh, back, uh, doing stuff on our Wednesday night hockey, uh, game. We've got Edmonton, Toronto. That should be fun. And then Friday deadline day and yeah, ready to rock and roll.
1: Looking forward to it, pal. Thanks so much for the time, Sam. Always appreciate the chats. eh? Okay, Logan, yeah, take care, buddy. Take care. Sam Cosentino from Sportsnet and Sportsnet.ca joining us down the Atlas Beach and Sports Bar guest hotline. It's been a crazy 24, 48 hours in the NHL, and we've still got five days to go before the trade deadline. Uh, Make sure you keep it locked here on Sportsnet 960 for all. Your trade deadline coverage. We'll take a break. Come back on the other side. Dive back into the Calgary Flames. They are back on the practice ice, getting set for the Boston Bruins on Tuesday. Here from head coach Daryl Sutter, Rasmus Anderson, and more when we come back here on Sportsnet 960, the Fan.
0: You're listening to Sportsnet today with Logan Gordon on the home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960, the Fan.
1: It was a practice day for the Calgary Flames back after a disappointing end to their road trip. A four-one loss at the hands of the Colorado Avalanche, and now league-leading Boston, Eastern Division, Eastern Conference contender Toronto Maple Leafs, and the Minnesota Wild in town for a three-game homestand Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. All of your Flames coverage right here on Sportsnet nine sixty. The fans, it's Logan Gordon, along with you. I'm chatting some more Calgary Flames. This segment, we'll hear from head coach Daryl Sutter. Blake Coleman and Rasmus Anderson, all of them spoke post-practice today as they get set for this three-game homestand. And, you know, going back to Saturday's loss to Colorado. We're we're not going to beat a dead horse here too much because a lot of what we saw Saturday was a lot of what we've seen all season long. And it's been below-average goaltending. It's been untimely goals. It's been a lack of offense, a frustrating power play. I think a lot of what we saw Saturday for this group was a lot of what we've seen all season long. And I give Milan Lucic a lot of credit for stepping up and, you know, taking on a tough opponent in Curtis McDermott. Uh, Didn't look like a tough opponent for Lucic, but that's one of the heavyweights in the NHL right there. Um, in McDermott, that Luch goes up and tries to spark his team. You know, was it, did it help them get, they got that power play goal late in the second that made you, you know, squint with maybe some hope? But I I don't know, it didn't feel like for me at any point you were on the precipice of a comeback. It just showed the, the levels that we're talking about with those two teams in particular, Colorado, did not have Kale McCarr on Saturday. They have been without their captain, Gabriel Landeskog, for different points of the season. They have missed Nathan McKinnon. They have missed Valerie Chushkin. They've dealt with injuries all season long, but that's a team that's been there, done it, and gets what needs to happen for them to be a contender at this time of the year. And I'm not saying Calgary can't do that. But I think it's pretty easy to see, after Saturday, the difference between the two sides and the level that Calgary needs to get to. And I'm not going to say they have to be, you you don't have to be a Stanley Cup champion, you don't have to be what Colorado is because there's different pieces. But I think you get a good indication of how much the level needs to come up for this group potentially in the last 20 or so games. For them to get where they want to go. And the math is tough. The math is tough on this Monday getting set for Tuesday's game against Boston. The Bruins have won six in a row. They take on Edmonton tonight. So that might change heading into Tuesday's game. But as of right now, the Flames four points back of Seattle for the last wildcard spot in the West. Winnipeg holds the first wild card spot. They are five points ahead of Calgary. Seattle comes in with a game in hand. So that gap could have widened more over the three game road trip, but luckily for the Flames, Seattle and Winnipeg both find themselves on three game losing streaks. Colorado's won five in a row, including that win over Calgary, and that's vaulted them up to third spot in the Central Division. So it's not impossible by any means. But as we've said for most of the year, and I don't know that it changes with 22 games left in the season or not, if there is another level for this team, it is now or never. It might literally be that as the trade deadline is on Friday, and who knows what Brad Shaliving is thinking at this point. We love to, to use the line that Brad's used over the years of, You know, I take my cues from the team. Well, I don't know what kind of cues you can take from this team. If it's a frustrated one, as hard as it might be to say, look, we have to reset for next year and we need to do whatever makes us, you know, puts us in the best situation to be better next year. As tough of a pill as that might be to swallow for the GM and for a lot of people around this team, maybe that's not the worst scenario. Do I do I see Brad taking cues off of this team and thinking that all of a sudden they're going to be buyers that are going to suddenly bring in a, a big package to try to change things over these last 20 games? No, I also don't see that happening. So it's an unenviable spot. Again, how much do these games against Boston and Toronto ahead of the trade deadline change things? I don't know, but it starts with the team, and it starts with what the Calgary Flames do. Tuesday against Boston. Let's hear from a couple members of the Calgary Flames, starting with the head coach, Daryl Sutter. Uh, Lots to get to uh, with the head coach. And just a reminder, no Jacob Markstrom at practice today. He and his partner welcoming in their first child together, so congratulations uh, to Jacob. Hope baby is happy and healthy. That was the only change for the Flames at practice today. Let's hear from the head coach,
2: Daryl Sutter. Daryl, the playoff race is obviously getting over on the league. Yep. No, I don't think encourage them. I think we do a lot on on daily basis on terms of our week or our next game or our last game. A lot of lot of that. So keep that really in focus because the big picture is sort of the outside. So you got to really stay inside on what what you're good at and, and what you can get better at. Not so much that standings part.
3: First game back after the last road trip, you sort of said, I mean, that's always a tough game, and you, you sort of lamented the lack of emotion from the team. What do you want to see from well, them? Well,
2: that, because that was true. You guys asked me, I told you the truth. So you can't get in trouble for telling the truth.
3: What do you want to see from them going into tomorrow's game?
2: To, Let's continue having good starts. I think that, that uh, quite honest, um, our road record has been really good, if you look at it. You take that at the end of the year and say, if you take that at the start you go yep that's we'll get them 40 some points in the road and that'll be good and that's kind of our trail where, that we're on I think at home though we've we've uh, been really up and down and that's something that goes back to when I came here so that's exactly what the players told me but, uh they had some issues at home so it's, that's part of that process of trying to build that up again I think we for sure need the you know, I always, you know, I, always, I have so much respect for the fan and for the building that I expect the players to, to have that also.
3: What do you think's the biggest
2: difference between how your team plays at home versus on the road? I don't think it's team. I don't think it's a team function. I think you can. I'm not getting into the individual stuff, but it's, you can do that yourself. But it's, you can do that and get a pretty good job.
4: Um, with the league getting younger, not a lot of guys are having career years at the age of 30 or older.
0: Tyler
2: DeFoli is why uh, I think those guys even though you say the league's getting younger it's you're still your average age your league is somewhere between 27 and 30 right so the uh, you say that we say the league's getting younger because those young stars are so dominant you see that on a nightly basis right the kids that are and some teams have two of them or three of them so those teams become so much better in a hurry but I think that those guys quite honest those guys at touchwood stay healthy they're 28 to 32 are their prime years so you know that's that's not just my opinion that's that's a fact like um i kind of laugh when i see you know team or just hear or see that uh it's it's their window or whatever it's the team's window that's a bunch of bs right takes you five or six years and then those guys should be in their in their prime by then and a guy like Ty, who's won and lost and and been moved, and he's going to hit his he's going to hit his numbers again. You don't you don't look at career years, you look at career averages. Once they have hit a certain age, once it hit that age, that's how you look at it. And and that's that's the way it works. So he's he's a two hundred foot player. So if he plays on a good team, he has and plays with good teammates, good line mates, and he's going to have a good year. And he usually does. You know, he hits twenties gets twenty some every year. I mean
3: on that same sort of idea. Michael Backlund is a guy who's been remarkably consistent throughout his career. He actually looks like he should be well above his career average. Yeah, he's
2: hitting he's having a good season. A lot of you know a lot of that's because Michael last year I think took to heart that he was really good in the playoffs and we talked to him about that, about taking that next step in his game. Uh, you know, because a lot of guys haven't played many playoff games so have a hard time Understanding that, and then, the, and then the playoffs go by, and they go okay. So we play the playoffs, but when you when you get into second round, and you and you're a major part of why you got there, then then that level should you should be able to sustain that level. I think having uh, so that in his bank, and then also with backs was really important. Was quite honest. There's there's three really well rounded centermen. It's the first time that he's been able to to have that on, you know, with with Nas and Lindy. So the three of them and they complement each other so that their their minutes are are better minutes, right? So, you know, they're within you know, he's they're within probably three or four regular regular even strength shifts a game and that's where they should be, right? That's why they're all having, if you look at it, good numbers. Even Lindy's you know, he's gonna that's as good as season you know, he's in you know, Everybody wants to talk about Lindy saying and being a 40-goal scorer. Well, he was a 40-goal scorer because he played with two guys that were plus 60 and scored 40 goals, right? So go figure. He's probably going to have his high in in points this season, so it's the same as backs. You put him in his right spot where he should be, get him with the right guys, and then he can be productive. A little bit different from you know Mark Jordan was now the all-time leader in the league in blocked shots. You saw a lot of him here. Just your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think uh, obviously – had geo as a young player and then as a as a veteran player right? so uh, he he was a student and he worked at it he became a complete player right he became and he'll be the first one to tell you he became 200 foot player and he wanted to play on a good team and he wanted to be a leader and he, and he accomplished all that have you seen what you wanted
4: to from the power play since you switched it up last Wednesday
2: uh, since, uh, since the break, all-star break, we were really, uh, the ninth best power play in the league, so it's not since last Wednesday.
1: There you go. Flames head coach Daryl Sutter following practice today for the Calgary Flames. Some thoughts on Mark Giordano, who we will see in town with the Toronto Maple Leafs on Thursday. But, uh, of course, focus on Boston and getting a good start against the league-leading Bruins front of mind for Daryl Sutter and his crew. A couple other Flames to hear from uh, this afternoon, including Rasmus Anderson, Flames defenseman, uh, a workhorse for this team, and uh, a guy that wears a lot of his emotions on his sleeve. You know he's been frustrated with what the season's been so far for the Calgary Flames and thought uh, he had a lot of great things to add post-practice today. Here is uh, Flames defenseman Rasmus Anderson.
5: As you can him, every week every game is important in this league it seems as if this week is crucial a looming trade deadline Is it heavyweight opponents coming on. how big is this week for this group given the big picture
6: uh, I mean with the situation we're in every week is important uh, this week is you know equally as important as last week and uh, well, you know, we know we know what kind of situation we're in and um, you know um, we, we gotta start winning and we gotta start getting uh, wins, you know, three, four, five in a row. And, um, you know, we have heard it's been, I've heard people talk about roller coasters. And, and, you know, as I said, we we just need to win, you know, three, four, five in a row and and really get on a roll here.
5: Where does the belief come from? Is it that when you look around this room and you see those who've won and, you know, some talent in this room... Is that where the belief comes from, or is it? I think everyone.
6: Else? I think from everyone. I mean, uh, you know, um, we've had a lot of one-goal games this year. Uh, you know, we've been in in almost every game this year. Uh, but you know, it's it's um, you know it's frustrating, obviously, with the situation we're in because uh, you know with uh, a lot of overtime losses and one-goal games and. Uh, but yeah, as I said, we just got to believe and uh, we just got to get on a roll and, um, and every single person in this room believes uh, we have a good team and uh, we know what we're capable of when we play... Uh well, we play at our best, and uh, now it's a good time to start playing our best.
5: Can you talk about those one-goal games, and there's probably belief in that you can play with anybody, you can beat with anybody. And one-goal games come down to whatever it is. But when you don't get the results, from is it a little tougher to get off the mat and still find that belief, or do you kind of still know uh, time and time again that
6: I mean, it, it can change. It's it's a yes and no to your to your question, and uh, yes, we can play with everyone, and uh, I think we've seen that. You know, when we play at our best. Um, you know, my the first thought is Tampa at home. You know, we play a really good game and uh we beat a really good team. So um at the same time, you know, as I said it's 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 frustrating those one goal games and overtime losses and that kind of stuff. But uh we just gotta believe in here and um And now it's it's a really good time to start winning and racking up a few games here together. And uh, first of all, take care of the homestand, and then we'll take them there.
3: When you guys got back from your last road trip, Daryl talked about there being sort of a lack of emotion or energy in the first game at at home. What has to happen to just avoid that tomorrow night?
6: (laughs) Have more energy. (laughs) Um, But, you know, it's... I think everyone knows it's it's tough to come home from a really long road trip, but uh, this one wasn't too long and, you know, it's a back-to-back in there and then, uh, you know, day off in a game and then home, so uh, there's, uh, I don't think there will be any lack of energy or emotions tomorrow. Uh, you know, we're playing the best team in the league here tomorrow and um, so we got to be at our best and uh, if we're at our best, uh, you know, we can play and beat everyone.
3: Does that make it easier to than- get really locked in? I mean, normally it's Boston and then Toronto. But- because it's Boston? Yeah.
6: I mean, as I said, we play the best team in the league and um, so... You know, if, if if you don't have energy tomorrow, I, I think, uh, you know, you got to look yourself in the mirror real real long and hard.
3: Ross, last season finishing as the 8th seed in the West
4: was a death sentence. This season it looks a little bit more wide open. Is that uh, a banana or a carrot for you guys to work hard to get in to see what you can do?
6: Mm, no, not really. Um, you know, uh, we want to get in, and we don't care where we get in. We just we want to get in, and... Uh, and as I said, we really believe in this group, and um, and yeah, uh, doesn't matter as long as you get in. We we have belief in here, and um, as I said, uh, in my opinion, we can play with everyone.
2: How do you manage the noise of two big games plus trade deadline? Like it's a little bit busier week. How do you manage that?
6: I mean, it's you guys make the noise. We we don't, you know, we you know with social media these days and. Uh, you know you guys know the trace before us so uh you know it's it's in my opinion it's just a it's a funny week and uh, you know a lot of a lot of things happen and uh it's uh, you just sit back and you kind of uh you kind of look at the deals and you're like oh okay that's uh, another player another pick for that for you know so it's uh, in my opinion it's a funny week a lot of a lot of action and uh and, uh I think uh, you guys are the one that really enjoys it but
3: there's no need to send a statement to management or anything say hey we're in the mix we're doing this we're we're worth investing in
6: That's um I mean I hope they do something obviously and uh, but um you know it's uh it's not <laughs> my job and uh, I'm not focused on that and uh, as I said I believe in this group and uh, all 23 players in here believes in this group and um, as I said, you guys are the ones that makes a big deal out of it. We just uh, we're trying to win hockey games here.
1: There you go. Flames defender Rasmus Anderson. Some really good stuff there from Ras. I thought that end part was, you know, pretty telling from Ras You know, yeah, we'd, we'd like to see them go out and do something, but we believe in our group and we believe in the team that we have here. I thought that was interesting to hear from Ras that Yeah, there is still a hope in that locker room that that maybe there is a a move down the pipe from Brad Trilliving that comes in and helps that team. Obviously, I don't think Rass or anybody else in the organization is is pounding at Brad's door. So you got to make a move. We demand you make a move. They, They know where they are in the standings as well as anyone does. But perhaps still a belief from Rass and maybe others that, there could be something coming down the road that that will help this team the last 20 games. Whether that happens or not, uh, we will wait and see. Last person to hear from, post-practice, Blake Coleman, NHL vet, been through this uh, trade deadline thing a lot of times. He was once a trade deadline acquisition for the Tampa Bay Lightning, uh, which led to him winning two Stanley Cups as a member of the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning. And uh, now he is uh, with the Flames and trying to help them uh, figure out what they are this season. Uh, he spoke to the media following practice at the Scotiabank Saddle Dome on Monday.
3: Yes to start, when you guys came back from the last road trip, sort of Darryl talked about feeling that there was a lack of emotion in the first game back. How do you guys make sure that doesn't happen?
4: Well, we got, you know, a handful of days here before the deadline, and, you know, we want to bolster our position as good as we can and, and put ourselves in a spot to to maybe, you know, be able to pursue some uh some opportunities to, to make our team better, and I think um, you know a couple wins here at home would be a big statement from us against two. I don't look like ahead, but some good teams that are coming in, and uh, you know, it's it's kind of now or never time for us. So
3: do you mean something to mes- make a statement to management that hey, this team's worth sort of investing in and, and looking
4: at? Uh, sure, I mean I think it's more to ourselves. You know, I think we want to, you know, feel. We feel that we have the team that can get there, and if we do, we can make some noise kind of thing. But, um, you know, we've been saying it all year, and it just it hasn't come together where we've strung some wins together. And, you know, these are the home stands where, you know, you really got to, you know, grab hold of it and, and make some make some uh, things happen here. So I think, you know, like I said, it's, it's good teams, it's good opportunity. There's no reason why we shouldn't be uh, ready to go. You've touched
5: on it, and not to overstate
4: it, but I think you're now at a point in the year where you can overstate it. This is a crucial week, isn't it? I mean, the way that, the, you know, seasons are set up, you know, you go into deadline and for better or worse teams become buyers, sellers or obviously you can just hold Pat. But, um, you know, we believe in what we have in here. I don't, I'm not saying we need to make additions or anything like that, but we want to put ourselves in a position where, you know, we're expecting and we believe and, you know, uh, that we're going to be a playoff team you know, and a team that can really, um, you know, be one of those last teams standing here at the end.
3: What's, uh, are, are you looking at the standings a lot more these days? I mean, you follow it. I don't.
4: At the end of the day, it's it's less about what what other teams do to me than it is about what we do. I think if a team goes, if we can go off and win four or five in a row, there's a pretty good chance somebody's gonna you know lose some ground and um, we'll put ourselves in a good spot. So there's just there's a lot of teams in the mix right now, and I think. Um, which is a good thing. You know, it gives you a lot of opportunity, but like I said, I think we're getting to the point where um, the words are getting tired and it's time to, to put some results up. It gives
3: you belief that this
1: group can, can rattle off just or five wins in
4: a row now. Uh, You know, it's just the same thing. I think you look at the games where we've been really good. You know, we've the Vegas game, we were complete control and just uh, learning, learning too many things this late in the year. You know, I think um, we play that first period you know for three periods and it's a completely different result but uh, you know just for whatever reason if we didn't do it and cost us a point there and it cost us points you know all the way you know, throughout the season so um, I guess I have a resetting here it's, uh, it's a great opportunity just playing the best the best and um, those are the teams you want to play at this point in the year. you want to you want to show yourselves that you got what it takes to speak to that belief
5: is that because you know, as you look in this room, like the talent that you have and that ability to still believe that you can kind of bring it all together? Is it what is actually in this room, talent-wise? What's there? I
4: mean, it's there. You look at the guys we have here and the success guys have had here, and then you know whether it's individually or, or with teams, it's uh, it's here. I mean, there's no excuse that we shouldn't be in a in a position to be uh, competing from playoff time. And I think you know that's why it's so frustrating, right? Like we should be in a better spot right now, but. We're not, and uh, it's nobody's fault but ourselves, and nobody's going to feel sorry for us. And at the end of the day, we gotta we got to make the results happen, and, um, you know, this is a great, great, great test for us.
3: You just sort of reference it, but there is something to that. I mean, you know you got Boston and Toronto. I mean, those are two powerhouse teams coming through, and there's something to the idea that you have no choice but to lock in, right? If you're not, you won't win.
4: No, you're not going to beat these teams with a B game. Um, we're not beating anybody with our B game right now. So, you know, for me, as a as a competitor and as a guy who wants to win and wants to compete, this is yeah. It's it's easy to get up for these games. You uh, you want to compete. You want to show these guys that uh, you know we're for real. And I think we are. And and a lot of us or all of us, you know, believe that we are. And um, like I said, if you can't get up for this game, something's not right.
1: There you go, Blake Coleman. Pretty to the point there from Blake. If you can't get up for this one, you got something wrong. It's going to be a big game for the Calgary Flames Tuesday. They welcome in the league-leading Boston Bruins. If you want to get an inside look at the Bruins before tomorrow's game, they're up the road in Edmonton getting set to take on the Oilers. That one available to you on Sportsnet West for your viewing pleasure. That'll do it for Sportsnet today. Thank you to our outstanding production trio. Of Cam, John, and Taylor on this Monday afternoon. Thank you to Peter Labardius and Sam Cosentino for joining us uh, down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Quick reminder, you can get any of our interviews or shows wherever you get your podcasts. Google, Amazon, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher. They're posted literally moments after the hour is done. So you can catch up on all of your favorite Sportsnet 960 content. We will pass things off to the Hockey PDO cast with Dmitri Filipovich. That's coming up next. Stay tuned for Flames Talk with Pat Steinberg on this Monday afternoon. We will talk to you tomorrow on another edition of Sportsnet Today on a game day. Flames and Bruins coming your way Tuesday evening. This is Sportsnet 960. The fan